1: That's where the ark was supposed to be. It was the family of the tribe of Levi that God commanded to take care of the ark. So the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. When God's word is obeyed and his holiness is respected, they didn't touch anything, blessings follow. God wanted the ark to be a blessing to Israel, not a curse. One commentator said, we might say that the curse didn't come from God's heart, but from man's disobedience.
0: Unquote. It's all too common for believers to forget the mightiness and holiness of Almighty God. He's approached casually and irreverently, and His commands are often ignored. Today, Pastor Dave will challenge you to remember God is holy, His Word is truth, and you should understand who He is. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 14, as he continues his message, David, Ark of the Covenant.
1: is a holy God. He's a righteous God and everything he does is justice and truth. He does everything righteously. He gave them his word and this is how you're supposed to act. And back here in this day, in the Old Testament the wages of sin are still death. The wages of sin is death. There's no difference here. There was no savior back then. They had to obey the commandments of God. They had to make command, these commandments. So David can't move the ark. So he takes it to the house of Obed-Edom. I love the name. So David would not move the ark with him into the city of David, but took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in the house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. I guess so. Can you imagine that? What did they put it? Where did they put the ark when they brought it in there? Did they put it someplace special in the living room where I don't know how big the house was? Did they have to walk around it? Did God appear to them in the midst of the time when the ark was there? What happened? Did Obed Edom make sacrifice? Did he pray? What happened? But it says he blessed them abundantly. Well, why? Why were they blessed abundantly? Because they didn't touch it. Because they didn't touch it, and God's presence was there. They, they knew better. I'm not touching that thing. I'm not getting near that bad boy. You come near there, you'll die. It was the right place for it. Why was it the right place for the ark at Obed-Edom's house? I love that name, Obed-Edom. Why? Well, you know, I'm going to help you out here. 1 Chronicles 26.4, you don't have to turn there. He was a Levite, and he had, just happened to be from the family of Koath, where it was supposed to be. That's where the ark was supposed to be. It was the family of the tribe of Levi that God commanded to take care of the ark. So the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had when God's word is obeyed and his holiness is respected. They didn't touch anything. Blessings follow. God wanted the ark to be a blessing to Israel, not a curse. One commentator said, we might say that the curse didn't come from God's heart, but from man's disobedience. Unquote. So... David now establishes himself in Jerusalem. Let's look at one and two of chapter 14. Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees with masons and carpenters to build a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel for his kingdom was highly exalted for the sake of his people Israel. David's influence was powerful. It was important. People started to recognize it from all over the world and they honored him and David would give glory to God which was the proper way. Giving glory to God when when someone recognizes what God's doing. Look what God has done. Yeah, isn't God great? Look what he's done. I praise you Lord for doing the work that you want to do. God likes to choose people. And David knew two things. He said he knew these things. He knew that God had established him as king. And he knew that God had called him and established him over Israel. If God calls you to a ministry, he will establish you in that ministry. Why? Because it's his job to establish you. If he called you, but if you get into the ministry and you try to establish yourself, you're going to have problems. God is the one who creates ministries. God is the one who gives you that. David's kingdom was really exalted for the sake of the people Israel. Not for David's sake, but for the people's sake. David knew God wanted to use him. It wasn't for David's sake that he was lifted up. It was for the people's sake. See, David was a humble guy. David knew that it wasn't for him. He was humble up to a point. And then in verse 3, yo, Dave. Then David took more wives in Jerusalem. And David begot more sons daughters. and daughters. These are the names of his children whom he had in Jerusalem. And there you go Shema, Shobab, they got to get better names. Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elushia, El Noeg, Nepheg, Japheth. No, you know, they, come on, David. I'm sure they all mean something. But notice there's a couple things missing here. First of all, Deuteronomy 17, 7 says, for the king, you shall not multiply wives. That's the first and foremost thing that happens here. 2 Samuel 5 tells us that David had even more concubines when he lived in Jerusalem. It's interesting, though, as we go through the book of Chronicles, something is left out. Does anybody know what is surprisingly left out of the book of Chronicles? David's sin with Bathsheba is left out. It's not talked about. It's not talked about. Even the murder of her husband is not talked about in 1 Chronicles. David saw these many children that he was getting from a blessing upon the Lord, but he had so many things. But you know what? Trouble comes in David's life from his relationship with woman and from his children. Guzik said, It is often true that the seeds of our future trouble are sown in times of great success and prosperity. In some ways, David handled trials better than successes. You ever know anybody like that? They were great in trials, but they couldn't handle success. I've known people like that. They were great in trials, but success just overwhelmed them. In 3 to 7, you see David's children. 3 to 7 is David's children. but we, We see Solomon, but we don't see David's other sons. We don't see Ammon who we had by Ohinoam. We don't see Daniel by Abigail. We don't see Absalom. We don't see Adonijah. Uh, And we don't see any more. David also had a daughter by the name of Tamar, who was basically raped by her brother Ammon, and then he was killed by Absalom. Adonijah, another one of David's sons, rose up against Solomon when Solomon became king, and he was executed. So the family had horrible troubles. After the trouble with Bathsheba, the word basically said, the sword is not going to leave your household, David. There's going to be many problems. And you know the problems we studied at length, the problems he had with his son Absalom. And all that went on. So in verses 8 through 17, we have another war. A war with the Philistines. And David is the mighty, mighty victor. Now the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel. All the Philistines went up to search for David, and David heard of it, and he went out against them. Then the Philistines went out and made a raid on the valley of Rephthom. This is in number 10. And David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to him, Go up, for I will deliver them into your hand." So David's following the Lord now. He's following the Lord the way he was supposed to be following the Lord. He's asking the Lord for information. They go up and there's a big fight. And then David burns all their gods. He burns all the clutter. He burns all the stuff to get it out of the way. I think it's wonderful. It's a great thing. And he he continues on that. And then there's another fight, there's another battle where the Lord tells David, don't go in there, but wait until you hear the thunder of the trees and then come out and surprise them. So God is with David. He's having these fantastic victories over the Philistine and things are looking great. He's defeating them and as he defeats them, his fame gets greater and greater and the blessings become more and more. And I wanted to get to verse 15, I think we'll get through it. It's It's a key chapter because they're finally gonna bring the Ark of the Covenant Back, They're finally going to get the Ark of the Covenant, and they're going to do it the right way. Now, at this moment, it's a great moment of triumph, bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And David reminds us, though, as we go through it, is that David built houses for himself in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the Ark of God and pitched a tent for it. (laughs) So he's going to say, I have this beautiful house, But you're living in a tent, Lord. I need to build you a temple. This is going to be David's desire as we go on. The tent David prepared for the ark was not the tabernacle. It was not the tabernacle. The tabernacle of Moses was still at Gibeon. So David wanted to build God a house. He focused on this. But in verses 12 through to 15 in First Chronicles 15, David says to them, you are the heads of the fathers' houses of Levites. Sanctify yourselves, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God to Of Israel to this place I have prepared for it. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. So David says, wait a minute, here's the mistake we made. I like that. Here's the mistake we made. You did it wrong. <laughs> That's good to be in charge, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. That just struck me. I'm sorry. I digress. He said, sanctify yourself. Somebody tell me what sanctify means. Set apart. Set your parts yourself. Get yourselves right. Get your head right, because you're going to bring the ark of God up with the proper thing. You're going to bring it up. Get away. Don't get away from every uncleanness. Get get away. Abstain from, from sexual immorality. Abstain even from sexual intercourse with your wife. Don't have any dirty clothing. Don't have any contacts with corpses. Don't do any of these things that would permanently make you unclean. Don't get married, don't get divorced, don't go to a prostitute, don't do these things. Sanctify yourself, be holy as he is holy. You didn't do it right the first time. The Lord broke out against you. We've read that in 1 Chronicles 13, made it clear that David consulted with the leaders, but he didn't consult with God. And as we go through this list of people here, there's some names that jump out. Look at 16 through 24, 16 to 24, one of the first names that jumps out at me is in verse 17. You say Asaph. Remember, we talked about Asaph, who was a writer of the Psalms, who wrote about 10 or 15 Psalms. Asaph? Well, he's in these Levites who have been appointed to do these things. Look at verse 18. What name do you see? Obed Edom. Obed Edom is there. Our buddy Obed is there. He's been blessed of the Lord he said, these guys are gatekeepers. Then you have singers with the sound of cymbals. You have other guys with stringed instruments. So here's, he's giving you all the names of the band. In verse 21, Obed-Edom is back to direct the harp. So he had some sort of musical talent that the Lord had given him. So he comes back in here. And you see that in verse 23, you had the doorkeepers of the ark And then once again, in verse 24, you have Obed-Edom, doorkeepers for the ark. So David and the elders and the captains over thousands went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the house of Obed-Edom with joy. I bet Obed-Edom was sad to see the ark go from his house. I bet he was sad. He was disappointed. I mean, I would be too. And so it was when God helped the Levites who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, they offered seven bulls and seven rams. This was the proper sacrifice. This was the proper sacrifice for what had been happening. And now they're on cue. They're on point doing what God has told them to do. David was clothed with a robe of fine linen, as were all the Levites who bore the ark, and the singers and the Chenaniah, the music master, with the singers. David also wore linen ephod. Thus all of Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn and with trumpets and cymbals making music on stringens amidst a harp. What a parade. This must have been a heck of a sight. You know what I mean? It must have such such a triumphant thing that this was real worship. This was they were really incredibly excited about everything that they were doing. Everything that they were done. When worship is done in the proper order, there is joy and there's gladness and there's excitement. And people draw close to the Lord because the Lord is leading the worship. He's leading everything about it. It's great. God helps the Levites who bear the ark. It wasn't heavy. They didn't need God's to help to carry it, but it was pressure and stress for bearing this burden that resulted in the death. Can you imagine when the Levites went to get it? And they all stood around it. They said, who's going to touch it first? You. Uh-uh. Call Mikey. Mikey will do it. They didn't know who was going to touch it first, so, but they grabbed it. They were worried. They were afraid. God had killed somebody when they picked up the ark. But because they were doing it the right way, there's no fear when you're in the will of the Lord. There's no fear like that. They needed God's help to deal with the spiritual pressure of ministry. And if you're in any kind of ministry, I don't care what it is, whether it's hall monitoring, whether it's children's ministry, whether it's cleaning on Saturday morning, whether it's worship team, whether it's in the kitchen, whether it's doing, giving God's word, wherever it is, you need God's help to deal with the spiritual pressure of the ministry. You always are seeking the Lord for his help. Always seeking the Lord for his guidance. Lord, I want to do the right thing. I don't want to make a mistake. I want to do the right thing. I want to be right by you. Please, Lord, help, help. Some of you don't see me on Sunday morning because I'm back there in the green room praying that the Lord would do something mighty. I'm praying for his help because I don't want to come up here on my own because if I've learned one thing, you don't need to hear from me. You need to hear from God. You need to hear from the Lord through the Holy Spirit. You don't need to hear from a man. You don't need to hear from that. David was careful. He didn't neglect the institution of sacrifice. He brought the institution of sacrifice back as they brought the ark. It's interesting that someone wrote this. and I'm going to quote it. Because Uzzah perished when he had gone but six paces, Every man that sees another stricken and spared himself is to offer sacrifice to keep the Passover for himself. So they offered these bulls. David wears clothes. He's not naked. He wears clothes. It's a mistake to think that he was immodest. David was modest. He was wearing clothes. Just like the Levites were wearing clothes. They were all dressed like priests. David wasn't a priest, but he was dressed like a priest. He knew better than to take the priestly role because there was a definite division between king and priest, and we studied about that. They bring the Ark of the Covenant up. All Israel brought the Ark, and they were shouting and yelling and screaming and hollering and having a great time. Having a great time. David is so excited. In verse 29, he says... And it happened as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came to the city of David that Michal, or Michael, Saul's daughter, who was David's wife at the time, looked through a window and she saw King David whirling and playing music and she despised him in her heart. Wow. She despised him in her heart. The expression that David showed was heartfelt he was generally giving god praise and glory for what god had done it must have been a beautiful moment between he and god it must have been a wonderful time of worship i don't know about you have you ever been in that one that one-on-one with god and you're worshiping and you're just just in the moment and you're worshiping singing a song or whatever and you're sitting there and all of a sudden you go whoa i'm sure that's what happened to david I'm sure that's what happened with David because that's what we can do. You can have a worship service at any time of the day, at any time of the night. You can worship God. You can just sit before him and sing a song. I'm sure he'll bring a song to your heart that you can sing or read a psalm or something and worship God. And worship him and have a wonderful moment as God just touches you and and is with you and, 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 and just wants to really bless you as you worship him. David danced before the ark. And... His wife looked at him, and she despised him in his heart. Wow. Some people get angry at the way other people worship, which is wrong. We can't get angry the way people worship. We can't get upset the way people worship God. It's sad. This was the end of David's marriage to her because he ended it. He ended it. She was not happy. And you can read about it in 2 Samuel 6, verses 20 and 23. Her complaint to David was, how can you do this and uncover yourself? She seemed to indicate that she didn't object to his dancing, but what he wore. He set aside his royal robe and he danced as a man. Well, that's all he was before God was a man. That's all he was before God. How many times have I told you, I'm just a guy, I'm just a man. God, in his craziness, put me here. Well, I'm just a man. But David danced before. He laid aside his royal robe, and he wanted to to get close to God as he was, just like that. What a beautiful, beautiful thing you see here. Celebrating. He was so taken back by what had gone on and what had happened. His dream was to bring the Ark of the Covenant back, and there it was, right before him. I can see him dancing around. He acted like he was just another worshiper, and this bothered his wife. Because he was the king. Don't you know you're the king? Oh, well, yeah, but I'm a man first. People want to know why I tell people they can call me Dave. And they say, don't you want them to call you Pastor Dave? Well, if they want to call me Pastor Dave, that's okay. But when I was born, my mother didn't name me Pastor Joseph Shank; She named me David Joseph Shank. So my name is David. That's who I am. The Lord has made me a pastor, and he's anointed me and made me a pastor. So, But in response to the action... Before the Lord, David looked at her and said, I did it for God, not for you. I did it before God. Who are you to chastise me for worshiping God in that manner? Who are you to chastise me? What David did was humbling to him. He humbled himself. He didn't dance to show off his spiritualness there's a difference, you can tell the difference when somebody's trying to be more spiritual than they really are when somebody's trying to act see that's the thing true worship is not an act true worship is not a performance, it's not an act when the team stands up and we try to worship the Lord we're not performing for you and I hope that in between songs if you clap, you're clapping to give glory to God and not what you see or hear that's not the whole purpose of it. The whole purpose is to lead you into a closeness with God so that he can minister to you. During that time of worship, people don't even think worship is, is, is important. It's extremely important, more so than just setting up the word of God. That's one of the nuances that, that worship does that kind of gets your heart right for that. But it's not the main purpose. The main purpose was for you to draw close to God. And allow Him to draw close to you and speak to you during worship. I've had worship services where He has spoken to my heart and shown me great things if I'm open and honest. I'm not fudging around. That's one of the things I like about having the words on the screens because you can look up and you can sing and still see the words. We don't pass out sheets because you have your head down here like this. We don't worship God with our hands in the air, praising Him, telling Him how wonderful He is. But it has to come from your heart. What David did came from his heart. It came from his heart, and it was true, and God saw that. And this person, this, this this wife of his who was from King Saul's daughter, who really was kind of a shady person anyhow, she complained because he wasn't acting kingly. Well, No, he wasn't. He was acting like a servant of the Most High God. He was acting like a son or daughter, and that's what we do when we worship God. And I think it's important that we believe that and know that. But when we come to worship, that we worship him in spirit and truth. David was a man after God's own heart. And these aren't my words or God's words. So there had to be a reason that God called him that. So as we continue to go through, we're going to continue on David. Read ahead in chapter 16 and to this beautiful, beautiful song of David. It's a song of thanksgiving that has basically combined a couple psalms.
0: In 1 Chronicles 28, we see David commissioning his son, Solomon, to build the house of the Lord. God had chosen Solomon for this work. In verse 20, David said to Solomon, be strong and courageous and do it, and do not be afraid and do not be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not leave or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. Anytime we begin a work for the Lord, the enemy is looking to make us afraid or dismayed and discouraged. David knew Solomon would face obstacles, but he encouraged him with the truth that God is with him. And when you face obstacles, fear, and discouragement, God is with you too. We're so glad you decided to join us today. You've been listening to Pastor Dave on A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave is working through the book of First Chronicles, a book that is rich with stories of faith and courage. This is a series you won't want to miss. If you'd like to hear today's message again, or if you missed it and want to go back to it, head over to AssureHoperadio.com. Once again, that's AssureHoperadio.com. You'll find today's message and many others to encourage you along the way. If you find yourself in Cape May, New Jersey, stop in and see us. All the information you need is on our website. We'd love to meet you and spend more time learning together. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We loved spending time with you. See you next time for more on A Sure Hope.